Hello there. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to Big Voice Jay's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is the show where we get you ready for a good night's sleep. We're telling familiar stories that you might not have heard lately. Links to all the stories tonight can be found at the website's show notes at bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, The Tale of Two Bad Mice, by Beatrix Potter. Once upon a time, there was a very beautiful doll's house. It was red brick with white windows, had real muslin curtains, and a front door and a chimney. It belonged to two dolls called Lucinda and Jane. At least it belonged to Lucinda, but she never ordered meals. Jane was the cook, but she never did any cooking because the dinner had been bought ready-made in a box full of shavings. There were two lobsters and a ham, a fish, a pudding, and some pears and oranges. They would not come off the plates, but they were extremely beautiful. One morning, Lucinda and Jane had gone out for a drive in the doll's perambulator. There was no one in the nursery, and it was very quiet. Presently, there was a little scuffling, scratching noise in a corner near the fireplace, where there was a hole under the skirting board. Tom Thumb put out his head for a moment, and then popped it in again. Tom Thumb was a mouse. A minute afterwards, Hunkamunka, his wife, put her head out, and when she saw that there was no one in the nursery, she ventured out on the oilcloth under the coal box. The doll's house stood at the other side of the fireplace. Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka went cautiously across the hearthrug. They pushed the front door. It was not fast. Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka went upstairs and peeped into the dining room. Then they squeaked with joy. Such a lovely dinner was laid out upon the table. There were tin spoons and lead knives and forks and two dolly chairs. All so convenient. Tom Thumb set to work at once to carve the ham. It was a beautiful, shiny yellow streaked with red. The knife crumpled up and hurt him. He put his finger in his mouth. Oh, it is not boiled enough. It is hard. You have a try, Hunkamunka. Hunkamunka stood up in her chair and chopped at the ham with another lead knife. It's as hard as the hams at the cheesemongers, said Hunkamunka. The ham broke off the plate with a jerk and rolled under the table. Let it alone, said Tom Thumb. Give me some fish, Hunkamunka. Hunkamunka tried every tin spoon. Hunkamunka tried every tin spoon in turn. The fish was glued to the dish. Then Tom Thumb lost his temper. He put the ham in the middle of the floor and hit it with the tongs and with the shovel. Bang, bang, smash, smash. The ham flew all into pieces, for underneath the shiny paint it was made of nothing but plaster. Then there was no end to the rage and disappointment of Tom Thumb and Hunkamunka. They broke up the pudding, the lobsters, the pears, and the oranges. As the fish would not come off the plate, they put it into the red-hot crinkly paper fire in the kitchen, but it would not burn either. Tom Thumb went up the kitchen chimney and looked out at the top. There was no soot. While Tom Thumb was up the chimney, 
Hunkamunka had another disappointment. She found some tiny canisters upon the dresser labeled rice, coffee, sage. But when she turned them upside down, there was nothing inside except red and blue beads. Then those mice set to work to do all the mischief they could, especially Tom Thumb. He took Jane's clothes out of the chest of drawers in her bedroom and he threw them out of the top floor window. But Hunkamunka had a frugal mind. After pulling half the feathers out of Lucinda's bolster, she remembered that she herself was in front of... She remembered that she herself was in want of a feather bed. With Tom Thumb's assistance, she carried the bolster downstairs and across the hearthrug. It was difficult to squeeze the bolster into the mouse hole, but they managed it somehow. Then Hunkamunka went back and fetched a chair, a bookcase, a birdcage, and several small odds and ends. The bookcase and birdcage refused to go into the mouse hole. Hunkamunka left them behind the coal box and went to fetch a cradle. Hunkamunka was just returning with another chair when suddenly there was a noise of talking outside upon the landing. The mice rushed back to their hole and the dolls came into the nursery. What a sight met the eyes of Jane and Lucinda. Lucinda sat upon the upset kitchen stove and stared. And Lee and Jane leant against the kitchen dresser and smiled. But neither of them made any remark. The bookcase and the birdcage were rescued from under the coal box, but Hunkamunka has got the cradle and some of Lucinda's clothes. She also has some useful pots and pans and several other things. The little girl that the doll's house belonged to said, I will get a doll dressed like a policeman. But the nurse said, I will set a mouse trap. So that is the story of the two bad mice. But they were not so very naughty after all, because Tom Thumb paid for everything he broke. He found a crooked sixpence under the hearth rug. He found a crooked sixpence under the hearth rug, and upon Christmas Eve, he and Hunkamunka stuffed it into one of the stockings of Lucinda and Jane. And very early every morning, before anybody is awake, Hunkamunka comes with a dustpan and her broom to sweep the dolly's house. The End Boy, those were some bad mice. Always trying to get to the good stuff. But they couldn't get it. Ever seen something that you wanted and it looks really good, but when you finally get it, it's horrible? That's where Yelp comes in. You can you can voice your opinions on Yelp about pretty much anything, as far as restaurants are concerned, and food, and take pictures, and really talk about your experience. There's no need to enter a promo code, because that doesn't exist. I just wanted you to know about the website. This is not a sponsored read. But I would like to let you know that you can use your smart speaker to play BBJ's bedtime stories. Just uh, ask your smart device. Hey, play BBJ's bedtime stories and it'll kick off. Isn't that great? Our next story. The Tale of Benjamin Bunny by Beatrix Potter. One morning, a little rabbit sat on a bank. He pricked his ears and listened to the trit-trot, trit-trot of a pony. 
A gig was coming along the road. It was driven by Mr. McGregor, and beside him sat Mrs. McGregor in her best bonnet. As soon as they had passed, little Benjamin Bunny slid down into the road and set off with a hop, skip, and a jump to call upon his relations, who lived in the wood at the back of Mr. McGregor's garden. That wood was full of rabbit holes, and in the neatest, sandiest hole of all lived Benjamin's aunt and his cousins, Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. Old Mrs. Rabbit was a widow. She earned her living by knitting rabbit wool mittens and muffetees. I once bought a pair at a bazaar. He also sold herbs and rosemary tea and rabbit tobacco, which is what we call lavender. Little Benjamin did not very much want to see his aunt. He came around the back of the fir tree and nearly tumbled upon the top of his cousin Peter. Peter was sitting by himself. He looked poorly and was dressed in a red cotton pocket handkerchief. Peter, said little Benjamin in a whisper, Who has got your clothes? Peter replied, The scarecrow in Mr. McGregor's garden, and described how he had been chased about the garden and had dropped his shoes and coat. Little Benjamin sat down beside his cousin and assured him that Mr. McGregor had gone out in a gig, and Mrs. McGregor also, and certainly for the day because she was wearing her best bonnet. Peter said he hoped that it would rain. At this point, old Mrs. Rabbit's voice was heard inside the rabbit hole, calling, Cottontail! Cottontail! Fetch some more chamomile! Peter thought he might feel better if he went for a walk. They went away hand in hand and got upon the flat top of the wall at the bottom of the wood. From here they looked down into Mr. McGregor's garden. Peter's coat and shoes were plainly to be seen upon the scarecrow, topped with an old tamashanter at Mr. Topped with an old tamashanter of Mr. McGregor's. Little Benjamin said, It spoils people's clothes to squeeze under a gate. The proper way to get in is to climb down a pear tree. Peter fell down head first, but it was of no consequence, as the bed below was newly raked and quite soft. It had been sewn with lettuces. They left a great many odd little footmarks all over the bed, especially little Benjamin, who was wearing clogs. Little Benjamin said that the first thing to be done was to get back Peter's clothes in order that they might be able to use the pocket handkerchief. Benjamin tried on the tam shanter but it was too big for him. Then he suggested that they should fill the pocket handkerchief with onions, as a little present for his aunt. Peter did not seem to be enjoying himself. He kept hearing noises. Benjamin, on the contrary, was perfectly at home, and ate a lettuce leaf. He said that he was in the habit of coming to the garden with his father to get lettuces for their Sunday dinner. The name of little Benjamin's papa was old Mr. Benjamin Bunny. The lettuces certainly were very fine. Peter did not eat anything. He said he should like to go home. Presently, he dropped half the onions. Little Benjamin said that it was not possible to get back up the pear tree with a load of vegetables. He led the way boldly toward the under end. He led the way boldly towards the other end of the garden. They went along a little walk on planks under a sunny red brick wall. The mice sat on their doorsteps 
cracking cherry stones. They winked at Peter Rabbit and little Benjamin Bunny. Presently, Peter let the pocket handkerchief go again. They got amongst flower pots and frames and tubs. Peter heard noises worse than ever. His eyes were as big as lollipops. He was a step or two in front of his cousin when he suddenly stopped. This is what those little rabbits saw round that corner. Little Benjamin took one look, and then, in half a minute less than no time, he hid himself and Peter and the onions underneath a large basket. The cat got up and stretched herself and came and sniffed at the basket. Perhaps she liked the smell of onions. Anyway, she sat down upon the top of the basket. She sat there for five hours. I cannot draw you a picture of Peter and Benjamin underneath the blanket because it was quite dark. And because the smell of onions was fearful, it made Peter Rabbit and little Benjamin cry. The sun got round behind the wood, and it was quite late in the afternoon, but still the cat sat upon the basket. At length there was a pitter-patter, pitter-patter, and some bits of mortar fell from the wall above. A cat looked up and saw old Mr. Benjamin Bunny prancing along the top of the wall of the upper terrace. He was smoking a pipe of rabbit tobacco and had a little switch in his hand. He was looking for his son. Old Mr. Bunny had no opinion whatsoever of cats. He took a tremendous jump off the top of the wall onto the top of the cat and cuffed it off the basket and kicked it into the greenhouse, scratching off a handful of fur. The cat was too much surprised to scratch back. When old Mr. Bunny had driven the cat into the greenhouse, he locked the door. Then he came back to the basket and took out his son Benjamin by the ears and whipped him with the little switch. Then he took out his nephew Peter. Then he took out the handkerchief of onions and marched out of the garden. When Mr. McGregor turned about half an hour later, he observed several things which perplexed him. It looked as though some person had been walking all over the garden in a pair of clogs. Only the footmarks were too ridiculously little. Also, he could not understand how the cat had managed to shut herself up inside the greenhouse, locking the door upon the outside. When Peter got home, his mother forgave him, because she was so glad to see that he had found his shoes and coat. Cottontail and Peter folded up the pocket handkerchief, and old Mrs. Rabbit strung up the onions and hung them from the kitchen ceiling with the benches of herbs and the rabbit tobacco. The End Peter was in search of his clothes. When you do search for clothes, you should probably go on to one of those fashion websites. You know the ones that'll give you a picture of uh, the things that you're looking for. Ah, I don't want to stare you on any one place because uh, this is not a sponsored read. But hey, clothes are cool. Do yourself a favor. Wear some clothes today. Our final story, The Tale of Mrs. Tiggy Winkle by Beatrix Potter. Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Lucy who lived at a farm called Little Town. She was a good little girl, only she was always losing her pocket handkerchiefs. One day, little Lucy came into the farmyard crying. Oh, she did cry so. 
I've lost my pocket handkin. Three handkins and a penny. Have you seen them, Tabby Kitten? The kitten went on washing her white paws, so Lucy asked a speckled hen. Sally Henny Penny, have you found three pocket handkins? But the speckled hen ran into a barn, clucking. I go barefoot, barefoot, barefoot. And then Lucy asked Cock Robin sitting on a twig. Cock Robin looked sideways at Lucy with his bright black eye. And he flew over a stile and away. Lucy climbed upon the stile and looked up at the hill behind Little Town, a hill that goes up into the clouds as if it had no top. And a great way up the hillside, she thought she saw some white things spread upon the grass. Lucy scrambled up the hill as fast as her short legs would carry her. She ran along a steep pathway, up and up, until Little Town was right away down below. She could have dropped a pebble down the chimney. Presently, she came to a spring bubbling out from the hillside. Someone had stood a tin can upon a stone to catch the water. But the water was already running over, for the can was no bigger than an egg cup. And where the sand upon the path was wet, there were footmarks of a very small person. Lucy ran on and on. The path ended under a big rock. The grass was short and green, and there were clothes props cut from bracken stems with lines of plated rushes and a heap of tiny clothespins but no pocket handkerchiefs. But there was something else. A door, straight into the hill, and inside it someone was singing. Lily white and clean, oh, with little frills between, oh, smooth and hot red rusty spot never here be seen, oh. Lucy knocked once, twice, and interrupted the song. A little frightened voice called out, Who's that? Lucy opened the door, and what do you think there was inside the hill? A nice clean kitchen with a flogged floor and wooden beams, just like any other farm kitchen. Only the ceiling was so low that Lucy's head nearly touched it, and the pots and pans were small, and so was everything there. There was a nice hot singy smell, and at the table, with an iron in her hand, stood a very stout, short person staring anxiously at Lucy. Her print gown was tucked up and she was wearing a large apron over her striped petticoat. Her little black nose went sniffle, 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 and her eyes went twinkle, twinkle, and underneath her cap where Lucy had yellow curls, that little person had prickles. Who are you? said Lucy. Have you seen my pocket handkins? The little person made a bob curtsy. Oh, yes, if you please em. My name is Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Oh, yes, if you please em. I'm an excellent clear starcher. And she took something out of the clothes basket and spread it on the ironing blanket. What's that thing? said Lucy. That's not my pocket handkin. Oh, no, if you please em. That's a little scarlet waistcoat belonging to Cock Robin. And she ironed it and folded it and put it on one side. Then she took something else off a clothes horse. That isn't my penny, said Lucy. 
Oh no, if you please, that's a damask tablecloth belonging to Jenny Wren. Look how it's stained with currant wine. Oh, it's very bad to wash, said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Mrs. Tiggywinkle's nose went sniffle, sniffle, snuffle, and her eyes went twinkle, twinkle, and she fetched another hot iron from the fire. There's one of my pocket handkins, cried Lucy, and there's my penny. Mrs. Tiggywinkle ironed it and goffered it and shook out the frills. Oh, that is lovely, said Lucy. And what are those long yellow things with fingers like gloves? Oh, that's a pair of stockings belonging to Sally Hennypenny. Look how she's worn the heels out with scratching in the yard. She'll very soon go barefoot, said Mrs. Diggywinkle. Why, there's another hankersniff, but it's not mine, it's red. Oh, no, if you please, that belongs to old Mrs. Rabbit. And it did so smell of onions. I've had to wash it separately. I can't get out that smell. There's another one of mine, said Lucy. One of those funny little white things. That's a pair of mittens belonging to Tabby Kitten. I only have to eye on them. She washes them herself. There's my last pocket handkin, said Lucy. And what are you dipping into the basin of starch? They're little dicky shirt fronts belonging to Tom Titmouse. Most terrible particular, said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. Now I've finished my ironing, I'm going to air some clothes. What are those dear soft fluffy things, said Lucy? Oh, those are woolly coats belonging to the little lambs at Skelhe. Will their jackets take off, asked Lucy. Oh, yes, if you please them. Look at the sheep mark on the shoulder. And here's one marked for Gatesgarth, and three that came from Little Town. They're always marked at washing, said Mrs. Tiggywinkle. And she hung up all sorts and sizes of clothes, small brown coats of mice, and one velvety black moleskin waistcoat, and a red tailcoat with no tail belonging to Squirrel Nutkin, and a very much shrunk blue jacket belonging to Peter Rabbit, and a petticoat not marked that had gone lost in the washing, and at last the basket was empty. Then Mrs. Tiggywinkle made tea, a cup for herself and a cup for Lucy. They sat before the fire on a bench and looked sideways at one another. Mrs. Tiggywinkle's hand, holding the teacup, was very, very brown and very, very wrinkly with the soap suds, and all through her gown and her cap there were hairpins sticking wrong end out so that Lucy didn't like to sit too near her. When they had finished tea, they tied up the clothes in bundles, and Lucy's pocket handkerchiefs were folded up inside her clean penny and fastened with a silver safety pin. And then they made up the fire with turf and came out and locked the door and hid the key under the door sill. Then away down the hill trotted Lucy and Mrs. Tiggywinkle with the bundles of clothes. All the way down the path little animals came out of the farm to meet them. The very first that they met were Peter Rabbit and Benjamin Bunny, and she gave them their nice clean clothes, and all the little animals and birds were so very much obliged to dear Mrs. Tiggywinkle. So that at the bottom of the hill, when they came to the stile, there was nothing left to carry except Lucy's one little bundle. 
Lucy scrambled up the stile with the bundle in her hand, and then she turned to say good night and to thank the washerwoman. But what a very odd thing. Mrs. Tiggywinkle had not waited either for thanks or for the washing bill. She was running, running, running up the hill. And where was her white frilled cap? And her shawl? And her gown? And her petticoat? And how small she had grown? And how brown and covered with prickles? Why, Mrs. Tiggywinkle was nothing but a hedgehog. Now, some people say that little Lucy had been asleep upon this style. But then, how could she have found those three clean pocket handkins and a penny pinned with a silver safety pin? And besides, I've seen that door in the back of the hill called Cat Bells. And besides, I am very well acquainted with dear Mrs. Tiggywinkle. More than the story, kids. Tip your service people. They're doing a fantastic job. Even in these crazy, crazy times. Keep them happy. Keep them fed. Well. And you'll do well too. You'll also do well to spread the word about this podcast. Give us a good review on iTunes. We are everywhere. You get your podcasts. Remember, links to all the stories you've heard tonight can be found at the website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>